Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 259 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're discussing the Best Picture winner from 1970 that won George C. Scott an Oscar, Platten. Danny, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great, Mike, although I think you have a, a couple of typos there. It's not oh. Patton, it's Platoon from 1986. So Oh do you need We're gonna like a need a to I, need... we're gonna need a hard stop. I wrote okay. down Platten. So uh okay. let's let's take a let's take a beat here. Quick one. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 259 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm back with Danny. Now we're going to review the 59th Academy Award Best Picture, Platoon, starring Charlie Sheen. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Doing just great. We can, if you want to record Patton right after this, it's probably right. not Platten. You're, we can do that one instead. You're prepared. You, I yes. would need another hard stop okay. to go watch Patton. Okay. Can I just say how excited I was when in doing – again, we don't do fact check and we do some modest research when it comes to the Best Picture episodes sure. – Yeah. that I noted that the hosts of the 59th Academy Awards were Goldie Hawn, Chevy Chase, and Paul Hogan. <laughs> Could you have a more random and and possibly less qualified like, and, and group Gilbert Gottfried. Did you – did uh – you hate Goldie Hawn too, don't you? Is it like she on your? Uh, uh, no, I, I'm just not a fan. Okay, she's not on like the Michael Rappaport list. You don't need to punch the, uh, her or anything like no, that. No, okay, no, she's not right. like Amanda Plummer or okay. somebody. <laughs> yeah, che- Chevy Chase, Paul Hogan, and Goldie Hawn. That's a random assortment of individuals, and I can't imagine that they were terribly funny. I. I- I don't no, know. I, you know, it's like the ghosts of Christmas, Christmas future when people look back and see that James Franco and Anne Hathaway co-hosted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll yeah, just think, right. what? <laughs> and that was the year that James Franco was nominated for Best Actor? What? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. But it was the 80s. You know, it was uh, you, anything goes. It was just one of those times in our lives. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. Platoon, the movie we're discussing tonight, nominated for eight Academy Awards. Yep. Uh, the most of the year. Tied uh, for the most. Tied for the most. Yes, correct. Yep. Uh, other Best Picture nominees, Children of a Lesser God, which won a, a Best Actress Oscar for Marley Matlin. Hannah and Her Sisters, which won a Best Screenplay Oscar for Woody Allen. The Mission. And, and Best Supporting Actor for and, Michael Caine. And Best Supporting Actor. The Mission. And A Room with a View. Uh, so those big movies of the year. Also, Sigourney Weaver nominated a second time for playing Ellen Ripley, this time in Aliens, not Alien, which she'd been nominated for prior. So awesome that uh, you know the star of any action movie gets nominated for an Academy Award. Here, for uh, sure. The, a female playing the lead in, a, in an action film, sort of a rarity. Even today, that's still a rarity, and she gets... Academy Award nominated for it. By the way, before we get any angry texts or anything, Diane Weist also won an Academy Award for Hannah and Her Sisters. So Ah, got it. Got can't it. forget don't, good, don't good for, old Diane. Don't want to forget also, her. No, this is also the year that Paul Newman won his Best Actor Oscar for The Color of Money. And Finally was, a winner. Finally a winner. It was like his sixth time, I think. And 
this, you know, with him winning and his uh, his wife Joanne Woodward had already won, I think in 1957, they then became the second married couple oh, of all time. I didn't to, know that. To each have an Academy Award. Okay, he's super cute. I, I love that man, Oliver Stone. Back back in the 80s, this was when Best Director and Best Picture almost always went hand in hand. It, it, Very common. It was, yeah. it was rare that there was a split. It was rare that there was even a ton of. Uh, non-nominated directors for the pictures. Oliver Stone obviously winning his first and only uh, Best Director Oscar for Platoon back in Mm -hmm. 1986. Uh, Tom Berger and Willem Dafoe uh, notably uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Anything else to talk about in 86 at the Oscars? Well, I'll just say I thought it was interesting uh, that Oliver Stone... I think he is still only the second veteran to win, a, well, certainly to win a Best Director Oscar. Clint Eastwood uh, served in the Army during the Korean War, but didn't actually go to South Korea. But but okay. Oliver Stone is an actual Vietnam vet, so I thought that was that was interesting, especially given the subject matter and and his passion for the project. But right. also the you know when you look back at 1986, the box office kind of a crazy mash. So number one movie that year was Top Gun. Number two, Crocodile Dundee. That's how you get Paul Hogan co-hosting. And number three was Platoon. So again, the best picture winner being in not only the top 10, but the top three, that has become rare as as the best picture winners over the last 20 years have become sort of smaller art house fair largely. But listen to some of these others in the top 20. Number four, Karate Kid Part 2. Heard of it. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. The sixth biggest movie of that year was Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School. Oh, boy. Which wow. beat Aliens. Oh, wow. That's, that's shocking. Crazy. All right. Then you get The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy, Ruthless People with oh, uh, Rhea Perlman and uh, Danny DeVito. And you get Ferris Bueller's Day Off at number 10. I mean, oh, those wow. are, okay. So th- this is also a year that saw some of those other sort of cult classic movies that a lot of people right. our age think about. So Short Circuit, Pretty in Pink, Three Amigos, oh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, The Money Pit, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Hoosiers, FX. I mean, just kind of a Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck came in 53rd at the box office. I uh, I love Hoosiers. And uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, obviously, a right. classic there. So, like, everything that you'd said, like, that was at the top ten of the box office or these Best Picture nominees that we've talked about, I've sort of been like, eh. And then you hit, like, the the next tier, and it sounds like a great year for movies to me. Yeah, a very strong year. And, and again, just sort of odd that in the top ten, you'd have, like, five or six comedies. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Right. And not just comedies, but comedies that we still look back on and laugh at. Although... I would bet a lot of those uh, might be difficult to watch and certainly to get made in our current yep. cultural, <laughs> political climate. I don't, I don't know era. you can get, a, get away with a lot of what Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> used to get away with. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Well, why don't you uh, set us up with a quick plot recap of uh, Platoon? For sure. Uh, I will keep this tight because Platoon is, is basically the story of a new grunt – Uh, a new army uh, soldier named Chris Taylor, played by Charlie Sheen, as he arrives in Vietnam. He has given up on college. He dropped out of college and volunteered and actually requested the infantry uh, in some sort of uh, noble gesture and his uh, sense that, 
you know, the the rich people shouldn't sort of be exempt from the, from war. Uh, upon arrival, he quickly finds out that he is not necessary. In fact, uh, most of his platoon members treat him pretty poorly because they feel he hasn't been in country long enough for his life to really be worth anything. So he and the other new guys get treated poorly. They get thrown on patrols, get all the crap work and very little training. Uh, they're sort of ill prepared for the horrors that will uh, await them. The film really gives us that, that from the boots uh, on the ground level view of war, probably for the first time in, in a major movie. Um, and it follows Chris as he, uh, is surrounded by his platoon members, and while there is a lieutenant that drives and uh, ostensibly leads their group, there are really two uh, non-commissioned officers, uh, a Sergeant Barnes and Sergeant Elias, who tend to lead basically two factions or sort of mini-teams within the unit. Mm-hmm. They are diametrically opposed. Uh, Barnes is tough as nails. Uh, Tom Berenger plays him, and he ends up uh, sort of fighting not only the enemy, but but causing a lot of uh, issues within the platoon, yeah. whereas Elias is a little bit more easygoing and uh, and, and has a, a sort of a deeper heart for the enemy itself and certainly the other people within Vietnam. As the war continues, uh, there is an issue with an unauthorized killing during a raid which pits Sergeant Barnes and Sergeant Elias and the whole platoon against one another while they're also trying to, of course, fight the enemy. And uh, the horrors of war are depicted in graphic detail, and it makes Vietnam look like absolutely no fun. And that's yeah. Platoon. You just described what we would call the plot. I, I don't feel like there's a very linear story being told in this movie either. Like, I think that you summed it up with the last sentence, that this is ultimately a depiction of war is hell. And I think, and certainly that's what Oliver Stone was going for. I think, you know, you get to know a little bit of the characters. There's a little bit of intrigue in the, you know, two factions of this core, but it's not a, it's not really a story being told so much as it is a portrayal of the hell that was the Vietnam war. What had, first off, had you seen this before? I think I'd seen parts of it. I don't think I'd ever sat down and watched the whole thing. And if I have any gripe at all, it is the fact that there, I think there is a story here, but it feels a little shoehorned in this whole, the the Barnes and Elias and the platoon members sort of turning on one another and everyone's trying to kill one another. That to me felt like maybe what Oliver Stone had to do to get this made, Mm. because the bigger story to me is just how war seemed uh, in Vietnam, you know, it just, just terrible, a terrible place to be a terrible, uh, environment for all involved. And I actually found this quote that I, which I thought was really pretty awesome. Uh, 1986, Oliver Stone said, I still held a grudge against 1949's best actor nominee, John Wayne. He said, I love John Wayne, but Sands of Iwo Jima sent me to Vietnam, believing that it was exciting and I could make a man out of myself. I don't believe John Wayne ever went to war. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I found it interesting because at the same time while I said, hey, this might be the first time the hell of war is really explored in a major motion picture, I keep coming back to 1930s All yes. Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. And that was a hellish depiction of World War One. And But but we did go through the big post-World War II period in Hollywood where war movies were 
were very different, very heroic, very clean. Um, it, it just, it, it, they were patriotic. They were propaganda Absolutely. films, yes. you know, more than anything else. And so this is, if not the first, the first in a long time to go back there. And I think that to me was the part of the film that I was really blown away by. And it was still impacted by the plot of Barnes versus Elias. I was a little less excited about. Had you seen the movie before? I had once <laughs> about 20 years ago. I hadn't okay, seen it okay, since. Now, yep. now I own it on Blu-ray. Uh, I didn't remember a lot of it from the last time I'd seen it. The scene that stuck out to me that I had kind of been seared into my brain is when they're lighting the um, thatch roofs village, on yep. fire. Like they're, they're, they're just you know, torching the village. That had stuck with me from the last time I'd seen it. Yeah. What The first note that I wrote down about 45 minutes in is this is no all quiet on the Western Front, which I thought was a horrifying depiction of war. And I think that certainly that's the goal here. And I wouldn't let my kids watch it, right? I mean, it, it is right. ugly. But we've also talked about, you know, the best picture being the one you throw in a time capsule. Right. And to me, this looks like a movie set in 1967 that was filmed in 1986. To me, this looks absolutely 1980s and I can't quite figure out what is it that you know they could film a movie in the 30s and make it look like it took place in 1910 and I've seen you know, but Dunkirk a couple of years ago right. looks like it was taking place during World War II this just looks like a movie a war taking place in the 80s I, I don't know quite what it is about the cinematography that I couldn't get my brain around to me, I, I I picked up on what you're talking about, but to me, a lot of it has to do with the cast. I mean, Charlie Sheen, I think, is horribly miscast in this yes. movie. And there's a voiceover used heavily. I just don't think he's a good enough actor, even in 1986, to to pull that off. I, it was it made me chuckle most times when he started doing the voiceover, which are which are him sort of reciting letters that he's writing to his grandmother. It seemed like such an obvious ape of his dad's voiceover from Apocalypse Now. Yes, absolutely. And just kind of like a a weak screenwriting tool to to talk about. He actually says the horrors of war, and so it 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 just feels a little. I don't know, 80s. And, and again, like you got Johnny Depp in here and you got Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger right. and John C. McGinley and oh, Tony Todd is in it. I mean, it just feels like a weird 80s cast. Forrest um, Whitaker. I, Forrest I forgot Whitaker's that he it, was yep. in this movie. Yeah. 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 But but the things I think it, that I, and also we we, of course, are coming back this 30 years later. And how many hundreds of Vietnam films have we seen since? And. Right you know, the, the, the wars in the Middle East. So we've had, we've seen a lot of war movies in the last 30 years and a lot of them borrow and ape this one. And so a lot of the things also just don't feel fresh because you've seen it a hundred times, but you've sure. actually seen someone copying this one. So I'm sure in 1986, this packed more of a punch, but even the little things like Charlie Sheen being like eaten by bugs every time he lays down and, you know, just the they had to, to muck out the toilets and like light the poop on fire. You know, that's a job that these guys right. had to do. Like, those are the things that I think this movie shows that the Sands of Iwo Jima did not show. In hindsight, you know, lo looking at it historically, in 1979, you had Apocalypse Now, which, of course, starred Charlie Sheen's dad in, I think, right. a far superior acting performance to Charlie right. Sheen's in this. 
it was within a year or two of Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick's Vietnam movie, which I think I think both of those were more horrifying. Like, I, this sounds horrible. I mean, I, I don't mean this to be disparaging about you know, of course, the service that 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 uh, people paid there. But this movie to me sort of felt a little generic. Like it, it just kind of felt like a sort of Walmart version of a Vietnam hell story that. I'm I'm sure is you know somewhat representative of what Oliver Stone went through, but it just didn't it didn't pack the same punch that the other two movies of you know very in very close proximity to that did. I think that's really fair criticism, and uh, again I, I I keep coming back to that subplot about the two different um, sergeants you know, kind of fighting with within the unit, just seeming a little cheesy and a little eighties. A lot of critics, especially at the time though, loved that and described it as, you know, these two, these two father figures, each competing for the young man's soul. And they put this oh, like really heavy emphasis on it. And I just thought like, this just feels kind of cheesy that Tom Berenger and, and, uh, Willem Dafoe's characters who have served together for a number of years, just kind of each go insane in their own way and yeah. decide that they're going to, you know, Tom Berenger's character crosses a line and then he decides to kill Willem Dafoe's character. And yeah. each of their teams has just decided to kill the other guys during a firefight with the enemy. Like just seemed really contrived. Another thing that I struggled with a little bit is, uh, you know, so of course, Vietnam era movies use kind of the same soundtrack. We've always joked about you need to have a CCR song and a door song. This one actually yep. doesn't have either of those, but it does have some some very popular songs of the era. It's the Tracks of My Tears song though, yeah. is, is a really good one. The theme, the classical theme that they keep playing uh. is the adagio for strings that they, that Oliver Stone chose to use, I don't know. 40 times in the movie. It's just like, if I hear this piece yeah. of music, which lasts about two minutes, one more time, I'm going to go insane. Like, like this, this, this is adding to the hell of war for me. Like, stop with this song. It was a very strange choice to hear the same two minutes of music over and over and yes. over and over. And it's and, not an and, original and piece either. No, it's not like the theme from Platoon. Right, it's... <laughs> You know, and you're being facetious with with saying he does it 40 times, but he does it a lot. And a lot of times it's, it's also like during a slow motion scenes and like, uh, like explosions all over. Yeah, and like yeah, we're back yeah. to the same music again. <laughs> like I, that was my first what's up with because I just did not get it at all. You know, like and, at all. And, and And I'm being... I'm being a little bit critical of the movie. And I think that on my second viewing of it, it didn't. It, it didn't hold up. I, I don't remember what I thought the first time. This time I'm just sort of like, eh. But, like, it's hard to deny that this was an, a really important movie of the time. Like, I even remember sure. there's a there's a really funny scene in The Naked Gun when Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley are, you know, they've fallen in love and it's playing Herman's Hermits. I'm into something good. And they're walking out of Platoon hysterically laughing, laughing because they're so yeah. in love, which, of course, is a <laughs> great shout out to the movie that nobody right. laughed at right but yeah there's there's just very little that i felt excited about while i was watching it and it was kind of just glad when it was over it, it wasn't terribly moving it wasn't terribly exciting it wasn't terribly anything to me yeah i i guess my takeaway was similar in that i thought maybe again in the 80s when when people were just a closer to vietnam 
Um, you know, it had ended, but 14 years earlier. And this was, uh, you mentioned, of course, um, Full Metal Jacket, which came out very close to this one, but this was maybe the most warmly and most critically well-received Vietnam picture. Yeah. And so at the time, this was a really big deal. And again, maybe it all felt fresh. And, uh, you know, the, the Charlie Sheen at the time was was really popular, sort of riding that zeitgeist. This was a, a big movie. It's not one that I'll ever need to revisit. It's not one that's me- terribly memorable. And if I go back to the beginning of the episode and you th- listen to some of those other films from 1986, I'd much rather revisit, um, you know, uh, Three Amigos or sure. Aliens yes. Yes. for the 40th time than see Platoon for a second time. It's not a bad movie. I just didn't think it was a very good one and i i can't find the words to say it's a great one and i think it's a little tough for me too because it's coming on the heels of you know just a year ago i watched that ken burns documentary on the vietnam war which i found a much more compelling exciting horrifying gut-wrenching story of that war you know over you know whatever 10 or 12 hours that that movie would maybe even more than that but I, I thought the the music was better in it. The storytelling was better. It also had Trent Reznor and it Atticus. had Trent Reznor. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, it was hard to go wrong with that. But this one, I don't know. Like, I guess just sort of generic, bland is how I would describe it. And and that's yeah. not to take away from the importance of the subject matter and the the personal storytelling that Oliver Stone is trying to get at. But it, for me, it was just kind of a almost an '80s throwaway at this point. So what's up with the scene where uh, Charlie Sheen is standing in the river and he's talking to a guy and he has a leech on his yeah. face actively sucking blood out of his it's, cheek it's and the guy's like, uh, hey, you got a little something like right here. Like he doesn't realize that he's got a huge leech it's sucking his so- face and there's blood all over his cheek and he's like, oh, oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> do you not know when a leech is sucking the blood out of your face? <laughs> that, like, is that, that, I thought, I think you would know that. That reminds me of an episode where I can't remember what, oh, I think it was when we did Old Boy. I think, I think this is like a episode one That's callback. one, episode yeah, one. Where, where you had like, joked about how, how uh, who's the lead in that? Who's the guy? It was Josh uh, Brolin. In Josh Brolin has like a knife in his back and doesn't seem to quite notice. And at the time, you'd had like a hangnail, and it was all <laughs> you could think about. Like it was just like, like constantly on your mind throughout the day. You couldn't work. You couldn't concentrate. Like, like that's kind of the same thing. Right? Like how do you not know that that leech is on your face? It's what? on his face. Blood is dripping down his cheek. <laughs> And the guy's like, you got a little something right there. What's up with the uh, uh, what's up with the GI dry shaving? Like how oh. that was that was painful for me to watch. I like I know I'm kind of a candy ass with sensitive skin. I'm a redhead, so I need to like get you know the tea you are tree oil ass. on. You, first. you, you couldn't yes. handle my hangnail. Let's just agree. <laughs> like you you talked about the hangnail and I vomited. I was so upset about <laughs> it. So, so but, but you like, were like out of work for a week. This guy's like just shaving in the village with uh with a giant knife and a little bit of shaving cream on his face. There's no water. Like I need it to be 
super humid in the room and just constantly splashing water in my face to get that task done. This, this that's rough. I, I I'm not cut out for the horrors of war if that's <laughs> part of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dry shaving, right? And, and leeches. <laughs> What's up with Oliver Stone? When's the oh. last time he made a great film? It's been a while. I liked JFK a lot. JFK? That, that was it for me, I think. Is that 91? 91, yeah. yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Nixon, which not a lot of people love, but I like it. So that's 95. Nixon so that's was 95, yeah. Tw- 24 years ago? You know, World Trade Center was 2006. I thought that was a decent movie. Unfortunately, Nicolas Cage is in it, so that yeah, kind of a- takes it down a notch, but... He's definitely not on that that level anymore. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Yes, bring them on. Okay. Question number one. Thank you, listeners. Five listeners submitted questions. Was John C. McGinley's ineptitude as, a Sergeant, as Sergeant O'Neill a key reason he became one of the bobs in office space once he re-entered civilian life? Oh, that's funny to imagine that that's what happened to that character. <laughs> um, that's where he went after yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Johnny Consultant? Okay. Right, right. That's fine. Uh, 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 question number two. Willem Dafoe is a gargoyle. <laughs> Care to elaborate? <laughs> that's, of course, a cruel way, listener, of putting that. But I did write down, my note says, Jesus, he looks crazier than ever. Oh, see, I thought he looked way better than he does now. Like, I oh, thought this, was, boy. I I thought was, this like, was Willem Dafoe at his best. No, no. Like, even then, like, he just... <laughs> He's he's a he's a really unique looking dude. He's he's got a he's he's got a look about him. We'll say yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Uh, question number three: Where do you feel this ranks in the history of acclaimed war movies? I think we, we've talked about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so. uh, I put it the lower echelon, I guess. Okay. Not the bottom, but low. Uh, question number four: Where do you feel this ranks in the history of war movies directed by Oliver Stone? Oh, has he done others? Uh, well, he did Born on the Fourth of July, at least, and I think that was superior to this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, well, I like that been movie a lot like more. Twenty plus years since I saw that one, so maybe I need to give that another shot. I will put this one ahead of Forrest Gump, okay. which uh, he did not direct, but I think from a Vietnam sequence standpoint, Forrest Gump like totally exemplifies all the cliche yeah. right down to the soundtrack and. <laughs> And everything CCR else, and the it's rain, sort of like the, yeah. the glossed over version of Platoon. Like yes. you get you get yeah. a little bit of the the scary part of War, but it doesn't look that bad. Um, yeah. Uh, final question: Charlie Sheen was not one of the actors nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Ooh, Is this shocking. just further evidence of Academy prejudice against warlock rock stars from Mars? It must be because. What other reason could it be? It, it couldn't be because he wasn't a great actor. He wasn't good. How did he become so famous? I feel like Three and a Half Men was the role he was born and destined to play, and that's where it should have started and ended. And anything else he's been in, I've just found him so disaffected and stupid. Like, I think that Major League would be just as hilarious if any other guy had played the yes. wild thing. I think... I think the final scene of Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he's like the meth addict. Oh, see, I was going to say, that's the one role I would say that to me is like the, the the perfect Charlie Sheen role when he just looks awful and he's in for like two minutes. And I'm like, that's about right. That's that's where, where it should start and end. Yeah, good. yeah. I just, every time, every time in this movie that he talked, it was 
the air sucked out of the room. Like, why is yeah. this guy in this movie? Well, that's it. We've got another best picture in the books. Another one in the books. Tough for me to say if the Academy got it right. I didn't see some of the other best picture winners or it's been so long that I, I, I just struggled. But I do think that there were a lot better movies in 1986 that maybe like aliens put aliens, aliens. Like, was a better yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I, it's been so long since I've seen Children of a Lesser God or Hannah and Her Sisters. Um, Hoosiers, I think, was a better movie. Like that, that would have been a better best picture to me. But right. this is what we got, and now we don't need to do it again. Platoon hey, is in the books. All right, it's in the well, books. What do we got coming up next? Well, coming up next, we've got the comedy Late Night, written by Mindy Kaling and starring everybody's favorite funny lady, Emma Thompson. I love her. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert Podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.